The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Last day of September. Coming down the chute, 19 days until the start of the NBA season. I like starting shows with that countdown. Makes it feel very real. Happy Thursday, everybody. September the 30th. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespers. Hope you guys have been enjoying these last couple of shows. Just the start, the tip of the iceberg of the stuff we've got coming up for you here over the next couple of weeks. I am, of course, referring to our visit from Zach Hanshu. On Tuesday, Matt Straup on yesterday's show, two awesome, awesome fantasy minds. And we've got, sheesh, another 11, 12 of those coming up. They've given you a total of 12 late-round targets. I don't think there was actually any overlap between the two. What did Zach say on Tuesday? His was Reggie Jackson, Nerlens Noel, Mason Plumlee, DeAnthony Melton, Larry Nance, Kemp Birch, Fakio Campasso. Uh, and Straup was Sadiq Bey, TJ McConnell, Mo Bamba, Daniel Gafford, Josh Giddy. Yeah, no overlap there. So you guys have gotten 12 late-round snags on these so far. I say all of this, of course, with the segue in mind that today we're actually pivoting back into the mock draft results for one show. Scheduling anomalies and so forth, and I do want to continue to have these shows on the weekend, so we've got plenty of content to cover it. Uh, today's show, we're going to be going... Uh, picks 49 through 72 on the nine-category mock draft. The one that we've been breaking down, so you guys will have a better idea of what's coming as we do work these episodes in between some of the others. Tomorrow's show, Friday's episode, will be with the great Aaron Bruski, trying to get him on every week right now and kind of get back to what we used to do here on the show. We'll have one over the weekend, likely with Brandon Marcus. We have Matt Lawson coming up. When the hell am I going to drop all these things? I really don't know. At some point, we'll get packed past pick 72 on the mock draft, but you know what? You get it when you get it. Good stuff all the way around. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I would love it if you did. Yesterday, for instance, need a reason to follow me on Twitter. Yesterday, I did a tweet storm about all of the first-round players on Yahoo's pre-rank. So we're talking things through on Twitter. Today on Twitter... I'm going to be breaking down some of the hype guys, and eventually we'll have a show on that as well. But if you want that information coming up now, I'll be breaking it down, and I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at a bunch because these are the guys that everybody is really high on, and I'm about to take you off of that train. I'm going to lasso you and pull you off of the hype train. This show, Fantasy NBA Today, is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com, the website, at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter for live, up-to-the-minute breaking news on all things fantasy-related throughout the season. Injury news, contract news, uh, individual game box score news. It's all there. For instance, the latest piece of news that broke just two minutes before we went on air is that Clint Capella has not participated in a live practice yet. Apparently, he's dealing with a slightly sore Achilles. Mitchell Robinson, unavailable. Oh, sorry. His availability is uncertain for opening night, which is something we mentioned a little bit back. So all that stuff at Hoopball Fantasy, 
This is, yes, a promo, but also it's something you need to be following so you can get your damn fantasy information really, really fast. Let's jump into the mock draft results, and I've got other promo things I'm going to hit you with later in the show, but I wanted to keep this this opening relatively brief. We left off at the end of round four, which was DeJounte Murray, pick 48 in this mock. Uh, That went to Mike Barner. Opening up round five at pick 49 was Chris Middleton, which is just an unbelievable value. I don't know, really I don't think that he's going to fall this far in most drafts. Some of it is the user interface that you're dealing with, where this mock draft took place on fan tracks and Middleton wasn't ranked all that high, so it took a while for him to kind of move into view for a lot of folks. And then also, when you got a, a, a mock of a bunch of analysts... Everybody's sort of got their board that they're working off of, and everybody's probably got Middleton somewhere on their board, but they don't expect him to be floating around. It's like, well, I kind of want to take this guy that I've been eyeballing anyway. Middleton is a 32. That's his Yahoo pre-rank this year. So, again, I, I bring you this number 49 with the very large caveat that he's probably not going to be there. At 49. His ADP, by the way, is 33 and a half right now. So those are pretty well bunched. And I don't think you should expect to get him at this point. That said, if we're breaking down just this mock draft, it's a massive steal for a guy who last year was not only solid at number 41 on a per game basis, also played in 68 out of 72 regular season games and has, but for one catastrophic injury, been quite durable in his NBA career because he doesn't jump that much. Set shot, set rebounder. Not hyper, lightning fast. Those guys do tend to deal with the bumps and bruises of the season a little bit better than the guys that need to be five feet in the air to do what they do. He doesn't. He's a wing that doesn't need to fly. Ha. Didn't mean to do that. Anyway, I like Middleton. Um, I don't know that I would go much earlier than his per-game mark last year of right around 40 you could see maybe the field goal percent tick up from 47.5 to 48 and change. We've seen him get to that 50% plateau before. But the other stuff is pretty well locked in. And they won the championship, so I don't really know why he would need to play 95% of his games like he did last season. So maybe ever so slight downward click on him. But even if he just plays a league average number of games and his per-game mark is still around 40 he then still beats this pick near 50. Pick number 50 was Tyrese Halliburton. And I said before, I'm not going to give the team names uh, in general. I don't know. Sometimes I just mention them in passing. I didn't mean to. Tyrese Halliburton went at pick number 50. That's pretty reasonable for him. He was a bit behind that on a per-game basis last year at number 65. Also missed 14 ball games. But I think you do have to assume he's going to get a little bit better this year. And when I say better, I just mean... More of a focal point. Last year, the Kings' focal points sort of worked down a priority totem pole. De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald. Tyrese Halliburton was, I don't want to say he's getting scraps, because, you know, he, he became a big role uh, player, kind of, on that team. But he's part of their future. And a couple of those names I just mentioned, not really part of the future with this team. So give him a little bit more... Uh, Juice in the pants. Um, 
And then I don't know on the durability side. You know, he missed some games last year, but it's hard to know if that's going to be something that carries over. We just don't really have a body of work on him. So I, I handicapping how many games he's going to play, I think, is really the hard part for Halliburton. But handicapping what he's going to do at 65 last year, you just assume there's going to be some sort of marginal increase in his role and his skill. So move him up the board a little bit. So 50's fine. I'd love it if he went a little bit later than this, though, because I do think 50 is probably the per-game target for him, and then he beats this if he is healthy. Chris Boucher at 51. I don't think you need to take him at 51. I don't have a huge problem with taking him at 51, other than, again, I don't think you have to. So it's that kind of... It's a hard thing to explain. We do it all the time on this podcast. It's just about creating a value pocket. He's going at 59 in Yahoo Leagues right now. His ADP is 59. His pre-rank is 68, so he may even slide a little bit. And there are a bunch of centers in Toronto. Boucher, Kem Birch, Precious Achua, excuse me. Pascal Siakam can slide up and play the five, although I think he'll probably do less of that this year because they do have three other actual centers on the roster. But we need to remember that Boucher did his damage last season, which, mind you, was quite a lot. He was number 40 last year in 24 minutes per game. Do we think he can get to 24? I really do. Do we think that any of his stuff kind of dials back? Can he be in better defensive positioning? Maybe he's not going to get two blocks in 24 minutes. Yeah, it's conceivable, but he's just a fantasy monster when he's on the floor. 51 as a draft spot scares me. Because there are all those threats to his playing time that Aaron Baines simply wasn't last year. And then there's this like, well, maybe he gets better. It's possible, but he's already basically 30. Came into the NBA very late. I think he's 28 without looking it up. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm wrong, but I think I'm close. So a little early on Boucher for my taste. I think he's a guy you probably can create some really nice value with if he goes in the sixth, where he's generally been going. Or very end of the fifth, pre-rank in the sixth. We'll see how it moves over time. Darren Fox at 52. Uh, that's fine. I mean, that's more or less where he was when he kind of got his stuff together l- later last season. It was like the last two months of the year, if I'm getting that right. I know he missed a little bit of time towards the end, but he was a top 25 guy the last month and a half. I, I don't think he takes 21 shots a game. I, I don't think that the free throw percent is permanently higher, but I mean, that's the thing with him. If the free throw th- situation rectifies itself, he has insane upside because he gets to the rim. So his field goal percent is going to be good. Monster steals guy going to get you a bunch of assists of all of the, point guards with free throw issues he's the one where you're like I guess I could see this getting better because he takes so many and it uh, so much rests on his ability to make the foul shot that said I'm too big of a chicken I'm a chicken bleep when it comes to De'Aaron Fox I don't believe in my heart of hearts that Fox is going to get better at the free throw line I I I just it's conceivable. Yeah, I mean, it could happen. He was number His ADP is 44 right now, so he's generally off the board already when you get to this point. Everybody loves assists. Everybody loves De'Aaron Fox because he's cool, fun to watch, that whole thing. 
Uh, Yahoo's got his pre-rank at 56, so perhaps his ADP slides a little bit there. They have his free throw percent at 72, which again, you know, he's taking eight a game. He's at the line all the time, and he's bad there. He's a great punt free throw build guard to throw into your lineup. That's for damn sure. But 9-cat Roto, there are reasons to be worried. But here's the thing. like The comparison you need to make, when his free throw stroke isn't going, he's in that 50 to 80 range. When it is, he's top 25. So it's a big deal, one category with him. And it's easy to look at 72% and think, well, that's not that bad. Yeah, it's horrible when you're taking almost 10 in a ball game. Anywho, he's an upside play, and I have advocated doing that when you get to the fifth round. I just My upside plays, I hope, are not going to be ones that put a dent into a category that I was hoping to win. And you know me, Roto, I'm attacking percentages. I've told you the guys I've picked in this league so far. Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Chris Paul, Tobias Harris. My team is good in percentages after those dudes. Tatum, not the best at field goal percent. Adebayo, not the best at free throw percent, but those two guys more than cancel each other out. And then Chris Paul and Tobias Harris are two of the better percentage guys in both, ones that are strong in both of them. We're not at my next pick yet. Derek White went at pick number 53. We actually talked to Zach already about this one on Tuesday, I thought this was a little early for Derek White, and I said that to him. I was like, look, did like what went into your head at this point? And he was like, I don't think he was getting back to me. And that's reasonable. If, you, if there's a guy out there that you're targeting that you know isn't going to last in this particular instance, I think that would have been about 14 picks later, then you kind of have to. I just, I don't like to do that in the fifth. I don't like to do that until like the seventh round where you're just like, okay, go get him. Go get him, Tiger. Because if a guy's not going to get back to you, then maybe he just shouldn't get back to you. Maybe the reason he's going there is because you've you've wiped a little bit of the value out. And when I look at some of the names after him here, I'm like, look, there are some guarantees. There are some guarantees still on the board. And I take those guarantees until they run out. That said, I do like Derek White, as I also said on Tuesday's show. I think he's the spur actually with the better upside. Because if his field goal percent comes around, he's actually good in more categories than DeJounte Murray. I like them both. You should probably specify. But I think Derek White's going to be the value. I think he probably... You, I don't think you have to take him at 53. DeJounte Murray's ADP is 53. Derek White is not going as early. Where the hell's he been going? Farther down the board. 80 in Yahoo is White's ADP right now. Wow, that's way down the board. What do they have his pre-rank at? 66, all right, so that'll move forward. But still, 66 I'm actually on board with. I think, I think he's better than that. I think Yahoo's got him too low. Got to stay healthy, I guess. John Morant at 60, uh, 54? I've lost track. Um, I'll pass. I'm not a John Morant guy, in particularly in, in nine-category leagues, and Roto in particular. He's, um, it's the weirdest thing with him. His, his reality ability just doesn't match the fantasy output at all. And it has to do with being not as good in specifically the categories that people aren't really paying attention to. I mean, it's the darndest thing. Like, he was outside the top 150 the last two months last year. It, it just wasn't... It was bad. He, he didn't have a good 
fantasy season. And I don't know how we I don't know how we fix this in one off season. John Moran was number two oh six. How is that even possible? It it it's like it doesn't add up. Nineteen points, seven and a half assists. But then here's the issue. Bad at free throw shooting. Low field goal percent, steals and blocks were low, three-pointers were low, rebounds weren't all that great, and turnovers were kind of high. He was legitimately sub-league average in seven out of nine categories. What do we think gets better? He probably scores more this season, probably more three-pointers, so maybe that doesn't, maybe threes is no longer a negative for him. I don't know that field goal and free throw percent are going anywhere. We see free throw. These guys tend to improve on their free throw percent little by little, but it's going to have to be a pretty good jump to get him even inside the top 100. So then 50, I don't know. I'll bug Alex. This is Rick Lean on this. I'll bug him because he's always been with me on Team Old Man, and he went Team Fun in this mock draft, and and uh, so I'll, I'll harass him about that. Uh, John Collins went at 55, and this is an unbelievable steal at 55 because you know he's a set-your-watch guy, and you know how much I love the set-your-watch guys. The clock is set to John Collins. He was number 47 last year. He'll probably do the exact same thing this season. His durability is decent. He played slightly more than the league average number of games last year, so he was uh, more like early fourth-rounder. And here he is going mid to late fifth. So, yeah, easy value there. Is he going to blow the roof off the building and go top 25? Probably not. But you don't need that. Just beat someone's value marker at pretty much every juncture, and you're good to go. Lonzo Ball, we talked to Matt about Lonzo uh, quite a bit on yesterday's show. He's he's high on him. I am medium on Lonzo. I just I thought that was a really safe pick, and he thought it was a really exciting one, which I guess when you average it out, Puts it at, like, a safe plus. Still, I mean, it's solid. You know, Alonzo was quietly good last year. He's number 48 per game basis. My big issue with Ball is not that his game may or may not translate to Chicago. It will. My issue with Ball is that he has kind of quietly never made it through a season healthy. It's weird. Like, we haven't noted the fact that he's generally hurt. And I, I, I do think you have to handicap that in. So even though he was number 48 per game, he was far lower than that on a totals basis. And then, yeah, with Roto, you can go for the per game upside here, and that's fine. Uh, but in a new situation, that's why I feel like it was more safe than super upside. Because I don't think he's going to do more in Chicago. The goal here is maybe to keep him on the floor. My pick was next. I went CJ McCollum, and I've lost track of what number this is. I think this is 57 and that's also a really safe pick. I'm not about to, like, pat myself on the back on C.J. McCollum. He was number 30 on a per-game basis last year. I don't think he's getting traded for Ben Simmons because Simmons is looking like kind of a butthead lately, the way he's handled this whole thing, and I just I don't think teams are ready to part with stalwarts of the organization to go get him. I don't know where he's going to end up, but it feels less and less like Portland. At the beginning, it felt like more and more like it might be Portland. And now you're hearing maybe some bad teams want to go and try to speed up a rebuild. Anyway, McCollum last year, three-pointers were unseasonably high, but everything else was pretty much replicatable. He's always somewhere between 40 and 60 on a per-game basis. Better years, he's closer to 40. Last year, he exceeded that. 
Last year's broken foot was really the first real injury he's had, basically, in his career. So you've got a nice, firm base uh, guy who's almost, I don't say definitely, because nothing is definite, but at 57, odds are he beats that mark. And then the guy behind me in this draft was another one that I was looking at, like, hey, this guy's going to beat this mark. And that was Jonas Valanciunas at 58. People are down on JV, but he's going to play. And now we're hearing that Zion's dealing with a little nagging thing that, I don't know, I don't even know if it keeps him out for a ball game. But the Pels went out and got JV. They wanted him, and they should. He gives them a rebounding presence that isn't a massive offensive liability like Steven Adams was. So JV's going to go out there. He's going to do his thing. He's not going to be as good as last year, where he was number 31 on the season with Memphis, because he's not going to be quite the same focal point. But he gets to do stuff by just being around the bucket, and he'll be their center quite a lot. I think his minutes trend down. He was at 28 last year. It's probably going to be more like 26 this season. But to me, that still puts him in the top 45 per game. Uh, And he's also been pretty durable lately, other than a couple of COVID scares last season. And then he had that big injury two years back. Three years back? I don't remember anymore, but not one that I'm super concerned about either. DeMar DeRozan at 59. That feels like a pretty damn safe place for him also. He'll take a little hit this year, but he was number 43 per game last season. Uh, 22-7 and seven this year feels a, probably a bit out of reach. He's... I've heard people say, well, he only took 15 shots last year. Yeah, but seven and a half free throws, so you kind of have to roll that all together. He just won't quite have the same number of possessions with the ball starting in his hands. He's not going to be the primary orchestrator for this team. So you have to assume there's some drop-off, but two rounds of drop-off is kind of what we're talking about here, which means he's still he'll be fine. I mean, him going around 60, I think he's going to play. There won't be that many rest days as Chicago tries to make a little bit of a push. I think he'll be excited to be on a team that's more on the upswing as opposed to the Spurs, which are in the headed-into-rebuild mode, and that can be a good thing also. I think it'll be a nice season for DeMar. Um, do I think the rules are going to change his free throw number? Not that much. He he tends to get there through non-nefarious means. The, the free throw stuff is going to impact more three-point shooters and, like, Trey Young. Uh, but, again, I mean, DeMar, if you take the ball out of his hands a couple of possessions, that means the points will come down. He'll probably be under 20 this year. Assists will probably not be seven, maybe more like five and a half to six. And that matters. But, you know, one to two rounds, not like four. So, yeah, good with this one. Pascal Siakam went at 60. I'm not drafting him. We don't really have a great timetable. If you can weather it, I guess. But you know me. Don't draft injured guys. In Roto, you can get away with a little bit better than head-to-head because of the games cap. And then when when Siakam comes back, he's going to be much better than this. I think I would probably consider Pascal if he hits 70. 61, Darius Garland. I'm the lone outpost on this one, and I know it. Maybe everybody else is right and I am wrong, but I am not fully on the Darius Garland freight train yet. I think we're very much in the process of pricing him out. And... I want to make sure you guys understand what that means. It doesn't mean that he's not going to get better, meaning he's going to be better this year. 
because he was number 123 last season, but down the stretch, he was quite good. There's no arguing that point. However, things to note that made him very good down the stretch. Garland, uh, number 100 over the last two months of the season, and over the last month, he was actually even better than that. He was right around number 52. Over those, over that last month, his last 15 games, he scored 20 points, 7 assists, 2.5 three-pointers, 1.5 steals, 48% shooting, and 88% at the free-throw line. Those numbers, by the way, really sound like a guy who should have been better than top 50. But again, it compares him to everybody else's last 15 games in the league, so it's a pretty, uh, pretty cut-and-dry way to rank basketball players. Here's the issue, and there's a couple of them, actually. Well, like a handful of issues, like Al Horford is in that list because his last 15 games, you know, he didn't play after a while. But anyway, don't worry too much about that. Garland's last 15 games, yes, you could see the 16 shots per game sticking because Colin Sexton was basically there. Although I do think that with Markinen coming in and the Cavs continuing to add young guys, I don't know that that's going up very much. You could see... The 20 points, the 7 assists, you know, you could you could make an argument that those things stick also. That's fine. Here's the, here's the thing. Over most of the season, he was at about 1.1 steals in starters minutes. And then down the stretch, it jumped up to 1.5. Over his career so far, he's been about a 43% shooter from the field. And I know that's a number that can change. And even over the course of this most recent season, he was 45%, but that's because half the year he was 42, and then these last 15 games he was 48. I don't think 48% sticks. I don't think one and a half steals per game sticks. I think the free throw number is a good one. He's a good foul shooter. The scoring, the passing, the threes, that stuff probably does stay. But if you adjust, even if you give him a little more usage than this, which I don't know that that's going to happen because that would be a lot. 20 points and 7 assists is, is a ton. I mean, you're talking about like Jimmy Butler level usage. Uh, 21 and 7 was Jimmy. So, you know, I don't know how much more than that Darius Garland can really shoulder as long as Colin Sexton, Larry Markinen, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, as long as these guys are still floating around out there. I don't know, like, how much more do they really want to put on his shoulders? Maybe a little bit more. Let's just say a little bit more for argument's sake. We're going to make our argument as hard as possible here. Let's say he does get a little more usage, and he goes up to, like, 22 and 7.5 and this year. Great. That would move him from, these, from this exact spot. If he added another bucket and another part of an assist, that would move him from 52 probably to about 45. That's it. Not a huge jump, but a jump, half a round or so. But what if the 48% shooting and the one and a half steals come back to 45 and about 1.1 or 1.2? That drops him right back down, probably farther, maybe a full round to late 50s. And I don't know how it gets much better than that. So again, I'm doing this, I'm playing that, that gray bar, blue bar game where I want you guys to just sort of visualize it with me. The ways that this goes sour, 
do exist. They're not super obvious, but basically it's like if the field goal percent goes back down to 42, turn, let's say turnovers get out of control or something like that, the bottom could fall out a little bit. But he's going to get a ton of usage. I mean, it's going to be more like the end of last season. It's probably not going to fall too far. But I just, I worry that as we continue to push him up the board, and, and this draft he went at 61, and I'm seeing him go in the 50s now in a lot of drafts, I don't, in, unless he's super durable this year, I don't know how he beats that mark. It felt like 50 was about a best-case scenario. And he did miss a bunch of time. Little nagging injuries, but they could pop up again. I don't think we can just assume they won't. You sort of assume the same thing happens again. So I think we've kind of priced him out a little bit. It's not that I hate the Darius Garland pick. It's that I don't like where he's been going. He probably falls into that hype train category of guys that just everyone keeps trying to one-up the dude in the mock draft they just watched. Oh, he went at 62. I better take him at 58. Then somebody watches that draft, and they're like, well, I better take him at 54. And all of a sudden, he's going at 50, and a best-case scenario is like 48. You've priced out the value. At the same time, this pick did happen on the turn, so he sure as bleep wasn't coming back 24 picks later. Pick 62, Mikel Bridges. I like this one a lot. He was outstanding last year. He was actually a first-rounder last season. Was he a first-rounder, or was he just outside of it? Nope, number 11, first-rounder last year because he played in all 72 ball games. He won't do that again off a finals run, but he might get close, and his role should stay pretty much the same. This is a tap-in. This is an absolute gimme at 62. Gordon Hayward at 63. I think you probably could get him a little bit later than that this year. The world has soured on Gordon. I know it's not Gordon. I meant uh, Gordon Giracek. Giracek? Was that the one? Don't call me Gordon. Where the heck did Hayward even end up last year? Um, On a per-game basis, he's probably going to beat this number, even though the Hornets have added people. He's number 45 per game last year. He's probably going to be around 50 again this season. That's just where he hangs out. And we keep saying, well, he has these big injuries every year. That can't keep happening, and yet it keeps happening. I like Hayward, actually, quite a lot in Roto. Great Roto game. His ADP is 71, by the way, something to keep in mind. Uh, And his Yahoo rank is 62. So he's probably going to get drafted somewhere between 62 and 71, which means he's probably not coming back. Uh, You guys know I like my risks. I don't know if I trust the, the Hayward risk in that range. I was really hoping he'd be about 10 picks later. I know that's splitting hairs, but that's how I am. Uh, Draymond Green, this was my pick in the uh, sixth round, which is now, what the hell are we at? 64? Yeah, maybe a little early on Draymond, but I actually don't care because he was number 56 per game last year and was getting better as the season went on. He was like number 95, 110 range for the first month. And then he was basically like number 35 the rest of the season. And I just don't see a reason why he wouldn't be that guy again this year. James Wiseman, he'll play a little bit more, but it's not going to change the dynamic out there. The Warriors need Draymond's defense and passing. They're just better when he's their big man. His steals are great. His blocks are solid. His assists, his rebounds are hyper elite for, or his assists at least are hyper elite for a center. His rebounds are solid and he just doesn't score. So you have to be okay with that fact. And I always am in Roto. So again, I I feel like this is another set-your-clock guy that was just sort of falling too far, and I'd love it if he fell even further. 
I don't know that he will. ADP, by the way, on Yahoo is 61 on Draymond. So I probably got him about where you need to get him. And I like it. I think he beats it. Terry Rozier at 65. Like that pick. Talked to Matt about that on yesterday's show. Um, that's another one that feels like a really safe, easy one. D'Angelo Russell at 66. This is... Hmm, I'm probably just leaving Russell alone. He could explode this year, too, and then I'd feel silly. But every time I venture into the D'Angelo Russell business, I get burned. And, and I, I preach on this podcast not holding fantasy grudges against players because you have to take each season as its own little microcosm. But for Russell, he's another one of those point guards who doesn't shoot free throws that great. His field goal percent is atrocious, where, you know, De'Aaron Fox actually has that fixed. And he's on a team now that has Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, and Carl Anthony Towns, so he doesn't have to be a guy taking 17, 18 shots a ball game. I'd, really, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if D'Angelo Russell was outside the top 80 this year. Would not surprise me at all. So I'm probably leaving him alone in 9-cat. He's usually a pretty high turnover guy, too. And I just I don't like those bad percentages. I'll give Matt Smith a hard time on this one, because the rest of this stuff, like the rest of, the rest of Smith's team is so damn good that I had to pick one. That'll be the one where I give him a hard time. Ben Simmons at uh, 66, and this was, I think, right before he demanded out, so we'll just ignore this one. Russell Westbrook at 67. We talked to Zach about this on Tuesday. I'm not a fan of it. He tried to convince me. It didn't really work. Um, he was 77 last year, but he was top 40 once he started to figure things out. I, I, like, I can't wait that long on him. I can't imagine he gets to do as much with the Lakers as he did in Washington. I know he and Beal were kind of splitting. They was like, your turn, my turn kind of thing, and maybe that happens in L.A. between he and LeBron, but it's just L.A.'s a, a, a better team. They don't need to score 135. They're gonna, there's going to be defense. There's going to be actual offensive sets. The pace won't be as high. Russ might have a decent year, and his counting stats are always going to be crazy high. But the free throw thing is a mess. That hasn't solved itself. Turnovers are always high. Field goal percent is always low. It's too much to bite off in a nine-cat roto format. It's too much of an anchor every time he goes out onto the court. Ultimately, you're probably going to have to bench him at some point. If you're just like, I can't. I need to win. I need to gain a ground in field goal percent and free throw percent. And you're going to dread starting one of your own players. That's a bad feeling. Colin Sexton? At 69? I've lost track. Is that 9, 10, 11? Yeah, sorry, I jumped one. I missed a number in there somewhere. It doesn't matter. You've heard every name. That's the important part. Colin Sexton at 69. Um, he was, oddly enough, number 103 per game last year, and he probably doesn't fluctuate very much off that. Got off to a really fast start. Cavs, I think, are souring a bit on him as their primary, and, and it's part of why Darius Garland is going so early in fantasy drafts this year. But Sexton's still going to get his 17, 18 shots a game. He's decent percentages guard, but really doesn't do a whole lot else. His points and percentages, and that's kind of it, which that's fine, but it's a little bit of a specialist-level thing. So a little early for me on the Sexton one. Um, hard to find a ton of points once you get past this juncture. I get that. You know me. I don't really care that much about points anyway. Uh, I just, unless he's, he gets to this mark if he plays in about 78 out of 82 ball games. That's probably the math there. 
Nikhil Alexander-Walker at pick number 70. I'm not about this one. And I I just, I didn't see enough of his game to, to imagine him getting this high. And he's probably the starting shooting guard on the Pels, and that's great and all. But, like, he's going to need to score a ton to get anywhere near this point because his percentages are going to sink you. And it's that same thing again in Roto. You just can't have a guy who's bad in both unless they're hyper, hyper elite in something else. I know you're like, Dan, you just drafted Draymond Green, who's not good in either percentages. Yeah, but he also doesn't shoot at all. So it's like bad percentages on six shots a game and one and a half free throws. So it has no impact. It's all about weighted averages here. So no, I'll hard pass on Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I'm very much down on that. Now, a lot of these names that I'm down on are points league targets. If you're in a points league, a lot of what I'm saying right now doesn't make any sense, but this is a nine-cat Roto Mock we're breaking down. Malcolm Brogdon at 71, that's a great spot to get Brogdon. I am not a big Brogdon target guy because he's been super beat up in his time in Indiana, and his percentage, namely field goal in particular, has suffered. But he was number 52 per game last year. Pacers are dealing with injuries left and right. Karis LeVert, stress fracture, we don't know what that's going to cost him. TJ Warren still not back and not right. Brogdon's going to be inside the top 65 most likely on a per game basis so in roto we're now getting to that point where you want to target the guys that can push the ball forward even if they're going to miss 18 games i don't care brogdon misses 15 games who gives a crap we're late enough now late in the sixth we're almost into the seventh where you want the per game guys the guys that are when you use a games cap on them one out of 820 or whatever you've set it at it needs to count don't tread water. Push it forward. Float. Fl- swim ahead. Whatever. Hey, before the, we do the very last pick of the sixth round and put a bow on today's two rounds of mock draft recap, I want to remind all of you guys, hoop ball leagues are open and hoop ball is recruiting. Please hold those two thoughts in your head at the same time. Hoop ball leagues. We got nine cat head-to-head roto, uh, cash leagues, free leagues. We have daily leagues. We have weekly leagues. Hit me up. We are at 19 right now. We did 22 last year, and we still have almost three weeks to go. Drafts for most of these will be happening on October the 9th, so that's coming up a bit quicker because they're slow drafts because all of you guys are across the world. So please, hit me up now. We're really sort of on kind of last call. Now, if a bunch of you guys all came to me on, like, October 8th and 12 of you wanted to start a head-to-head league, we'd do it, and we just do the draft like a day later or something but we'd love to try to finalize these things get them all set don't wait because if you end up on a wait list and it doesn't get to 12 teams we're not going to open that next league so this is your call hit me up on twitter at dan bespris d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s or email team hoopball at hoop-ball.com on the recruiting side a bunch of you guys reached out over the last two days that's awesome We are looking for fantasy writers, DFS writers. If you're into betting, I I guess that's most of you guys that are into betting have already talked to me, but perhaps a few of you now listening for the first time. If you want this to be the start of your new career, let me know. Entry-level stuff at basically every part of the site. Uh, Again, fantasy writing, you'd start covering the wire. It's really intense and really cool. DFS, you kind of slot in... Probably a little higher on the food chain because they're just 
aren't as many guys working in that division. And you'd be working with some really awesome people on both. So please do bug me about hoop ball leagues or recruiting. Again, that's at Dan Vespers or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. By the way, again, before we do that last pick here, please do rate and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, five stars would be lovely. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Every time you hit that button, it helps us. So we move up the board and more people see us as they're like, hmm, what should I listen to this year to get my fantasy advice? And the more of that that happens, the fewer ads we can put in this thing. You may have noticed I haven't been doing very much advertising promo lately outside of the ones that our host provider drops in in the middle of the program. Trying to want to try to keep it that way. And the way we get there is by getting a crap ton of listens. The last pick of the sixth round was Jared Allen at 72. I say it with some surprise in my voice because uh, I've seen him fall in some spots. His ADP is 66. Um, Yahoo has him ranked, I believe, later than that. I can try to pull it up quickly here. Yeah, 81 is their pre-rank on him. And... From a projection standpoint, Yahoo's probably got this one pretty close to right. Allen was number 87 last year on a per-game basis, 13-10 and 10 with a block and a half. The hope, I think, if you're drafting Jared in the 70s, is that his blocks come up from one and a half to closer to two. 1.7, 1.8. That would make all the difference because that's one of really three categories where you can put a stamp on things. He's the starting center out there, more or less unchallenged in that role. Field goal percent is going to be good to great. Rebounding is going to be good to great. We need blocks to be better than great. 1.4 isn't quite good enough. That's the upside with Jared Allen. I see him as a pretty safe second center. I'd rather get him in the 80s. Um, I'd rather get him towards the end of the next round, which would be sort of late 7th. Even mid-7th I'd be okay with. Late 6th is questionable. I will say that this team only had one center after five rounds and basically had no blocks, so I get it. The other guys that are floating around after Jared Allen that block shots, Isaiah Stewart, Jakob Pertl, Mitchell Robinson, although it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready to start the year, Brooke Lopez, Nerlens Noel if you want to hunt backups, and then you're into you know, big guys that are more flyery picks, like Mo Bamba, you can't rely on him on a night-to-night basis. Yeah, I'll get you some blocks when he's healthy, but how often is that going to be? So I get it. This team looked at their club, and they were like, wow, I'm very good at scoring, passing, shooting, pretty good in steals. Yeah, pretty darn good in steals, actually. The one thing that they were horrible at at this point was blocks. So they went out and got the guy who was probably going to block the most shots. I don't think you have to take him here at 72 if your team is not in dire blocky straits. So I have issue with it, but at the same time, I totally understand why this team did it. None of those really good block guys were coming back. Except for Brooke Lopez, who, you know, we don't know what... Actually, he didn't make it back either. Sorry. Brooke Lopez, Isaiah Stewart, Jakob Pertl, all three of those guys were off the board before this particular team's next set of picks next turn front end turn i guess it would be so i get it i get it if you find yourself in that spot those are your choices would i go allen purtle or stewart if i was picking between those three probably stewart then allen then purtle would be my my third 
of them. Pirtle probably falls more into the Brook Lopez chunk for me, for whatever that's worth. And don't worry, we'll hit these next two rounds the next time we have a break in guests. One day, two days, three days, four days from now. Who knows? But we'll get there. Thank you for everything, everybody. Thanks for listening. I can see the interest is picking back up. Welcome once again to anybody tuning in for the very first time. I am unbelievably grateful to have you. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Have a great Thursday again. Back with Brew, the big dog, tomorrow on the pod. We'll talk to you then. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.